Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. I may be missing something, but if what I hear and how I hear it is correct, then this radio and TV preacher is way off base, way off. His ad on TV appearing too frequently must have cost him many thousands of dollars. He must have great resources. Regularly is shown with his wife and fellow preacher on stage before thousands of people promising these enthusiastic people that their lives are about to take off. He excitedly using animated moments assures these people that they have a power within them that is greater than any power that comes against them. Very convincingly, he is able to move his audience to accept these statements as factual and believable. After all, he's a well-known, much-loved television preacher. His books are sold by the thousands, offering people who read them a better life, a life of fulfillment, and a happy existence, despite the things that might happen to each of us as we live life in this old world. But when all is said and done, is he right? Can all those people really depend on this message? Are they truly happy, fulfilled, full of power, undefeated? Whatever his success rate, thousands listen every day. Thousands buy his books, and I would imagine thousands give thousands to support his multiple ministries. Now you can even sign up and pay a monthly subscription and listen to him on satellite, effectively broadening his audience and making his reach worldwide, coast to coast in the States maybe even international. But is this message true? Can we all depend on this promise? Will they be effective with every single person who puts their faith in him and their dollars? What a terrible crash if it's not.
one of the familiar passages in scriptures when the people asked John the Baptist about his future and who he was. He promised them that the one coming after him was greater than he was, that he was not even worthy to tie his shoelaces. Elsewhere, Paul wrote about Jesus that he must increase as he, Paul, decreased. I don't get this feeling with the preacher I've been discussing. It seems rather his preference is to increase himself. His winning perpetual characteristic smile draws people to him, not to Jesus. The few times I've heard him, I can never recall him telling people that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that he died to set people free, to bring them to heaven if they have faith in his death on Calvary as their substitute. His message of feeling good and claiming powers that are not easily sourced by unbelievers do not fit the schematic that I see in the scripture. Hope I'm wrong, that I misread his signals. People will be drawn to the cross and see there a Savior dying and bow their knees and accept Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord. Regardless of feelings and promises of power, then they will be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and then they will have power greater than the power of anybody that comes against them. Only then.
with his message for today. Here's Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Greetings once again in the name of our risen and soon coming Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I speak to you today with the conviction that God will do as he promised when he said and still says that his word will not return to him void or without profit, but will accomplish his purpose for sending it forth today. I thank God for that assurance. Our topic is living in the Spirit. Our theme verse is Galatians 5.25. If or since we have been made alive by the Spirit, let us also walk in or by the Spirit. End of quote. Today, we are going to focus on verses 24 and 25 of chapter 5 of the book of Galatians. As we continue to exegete the context in which our theme verse is found. I read now then from the word of God. Please listen carefully and reverently. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. End of quote. What a fantastic message this is. The apostle is telling us that the cross has separated the believer from the reign and power of the law and the flesh, such as self-sufficiency and selfishness, and makes it possible for him or her, the believer, to please God by walking by the Spirit. Christians, therefore, my friends, are an amazing people, who must accomplish an amazing continuous action based on an amazing action already accomplished by Jesus Christ in the past. Verse 24 tells us that Christians are an amazing people because they are Christ. Let me repeat that. Christians are an amazing people because we are Christ. Christians are Christ's people, Paul is saying. Paul says they belong to him. They are those who be made alive by the Spirit through faith alone in Christ alone. They are those who are truly in Christ, not mere professors. The description of believers are used in two other passages in the New Testament saying the same thing. For instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 23 says, But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits after those who are Christ at his coming. Notice that? Those who are Christ at his coming. Also, 2 Corinthians 10.7, it says, You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ, if he belongs to Christ, let him consider that this again within himself, that just as he is Christ, so also are we, end of quote. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Believers are his, and he is ours. We are his very own, and he is our very own. The phrase, those who are Christ, refers to the only people who can do what is stated here. That is the whole point of the statement of this passage. As mentioned in our first message in this series, we can only become in Christ by regeneration by the Holy Spirit. That's how we become Christ. 
That's how he gives us eternal life and the divine nature we need to truly please God so that we can walk by the Spirit. Christians are an amazing people, I say, because of the fact that we have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. He provides what we need to be what God wants us to be. In our text, we are told that we have accomplished an amazing action. Notice carefully what the text says, quote, Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. End of quote. Now, several fantastic truths are revealed in this passage. First, the action described here is true of all believers, all Christians, not just some. It is true of all that are Christ who belong to him. This means, therefore, that this is a positional or objective truth. It is accomplished by God on our behalf. It is not a practical or subjective event or action accomplished by our own efforts. You see, my friends, not all Christians do the same things. That is based upon our individual obedience to the word of God. However, positionally speaking, God does the same thing in and for everyone who truly trusts Christ as Savior. Here in our text, it is clearly stated that the crucifixion of the flesh with the affections and lusts is true of they who are Christ. That is, true of all who are genuine believers. And the point is, it states that it was done on the cross by Christ. Now, a problem arises if the text is not clearly and precisely interpreted. Why? Well, because, second, the form of the verb used in our text for crucifixion is what is called the active tense. In other words, it is something the believer does. It is not done for him. Now, if you're carefully reading the scriptures or following me, you will say that's a contradiction to what you've just said about it being a positional truth. How can it be both a positional fact accomplished by God and a practical action done by the believer? How can these things be true at the same time? My friends, that's not double talk. It really isn't. Not if we really understand when the event being described actually took place. Let me explain. The scriptures very clearly teach that the believer's old sinful self was crucified by and along with Christ on the cross. Paul states this in several passages. For instance, Galatians 2.20, he says, and I quote, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Also Romans 6, verse 6, quote, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. End of quote. Now, in both instances in these scriptures, where the verb crucified is used, it is used in what is called the passive tense indicating that the action described was done for or upon the believer. And so what Paul is saying in our text is that the believer 
when he or she believed by placing faith in Christ alone, it was at that time that believer entered into the benefits and results of Christ's crucifixion for us on the cross. By placing faith in Christ, therefore, it could be said that the believer crucified the old self, although it was Christ who did it. However, and it's careful and I want to explain again, the believer in fact did not do the actual crucifixion. Christ did it. But when we accept him, his work was attributed to us as believers. Paul says that the cross severed or cut off our relationship to the demands of the law, as well as with the power of the flesh over us. That is, the cross, or more accurately, the crucifixion of Christ, is a barrier between us as believers and the things that now relate to our old unredeemed life. Paul further says that this is a fact whether we feel it or not. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Quote, In the same way, count, that is, recognize or consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, end of quote. In other words, the apostle is telling us it is an established fact. As believers in Christ, our old self, that is, what we were as descendants of our fallen forefather Adam, was historically crucified with Christ on the cross. However, that is not the whole truth revealed in this text. In Galatians 5.24, the specific focus of crucifixion is the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof. Now, not only is the verb in the active form showing that God accomplished the act of crucifixion in the past, but it is also in the present continuous form, showing that the results of that act should now be demonstrated in the life and actions of the believer. In other words, the act accomplished in the past by Christ is the basis for the results to be experienced by the believer today in the present. That is what it means to live in or by the Spirit. The ongoing crucifying is something the believer does, and he can do it because the Holy Spirit who indwells him enables him to do it. And, my friends, we are commanded to do it. Listen to Paul's statements again in Romans 8.13. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Also in Ephesians 4.22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. One more passage. Colossians 3.9 Do not lie to each other. Notice now, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. End of quote. And so Paul is saying when we put all this together, do not take from the cross which has been nailed there. Sadly though, 
That's exactly what a Christian does when he lives according to the flesh, when he does not walk according to the Spirit. He actually takes down from the cross the dead, putrid old self that Christ nailed to the cross with himself when he was crucified. Put to death and crucified, therefore, means in these texts to put off the traits or characteristics of the old self, the old man, what we used to be and what we used to do before we became Christians and are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We are not to go on living the way we used to before we were saved, as though the old self is still in existence or alive. Paul is telling us he is not. Paul says, therefore, in effect, be real, be who you are, be your new self in Christ, not what you were in Adam. Stop acting like zombies. You know, sometimes we say, don't be a baby, which means we want you to be a man, we want you to be strong. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. Do not be what you were, be what you are. But exactly what is it that must be continually crucified? What is meant by the flesh with the affections and lusts? Now, this is an important question, and the answer is also important for us. However, we will have to answer this next time, Lord willing, because our time is gone for today. And so, as always, this is Senior Pastor Teacher Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Sila, think, and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. There forevermore to stay. The great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every listening moment for the mighty trumpet sound.
happen in a moment. Jesus Christ could come again. I am listening every morning for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our tolling will be in a moment Jesus Christ could come again